this is the Fun Kids Bookworms podcast where you get to find out about the best books from the people who write them and me. I'm Bex, by the way, and this week you're going to hear Nat Letzema reading from her brilliant book, Opie Jones Talks to Animals. We're going to find out what Sally Gardner's favourite childhood book was, but first, let's kick it off with a chat with Victoria Hislop. She has a brand new book out and we spoke to her when she was on holiday in Greece. So I'm joined right now by the author, Victoria Hislop. Hi, Victoria. How are you doing? Hi, I'm really well, thank you. And lovely, lovely to be talking to you. Every, I'm sure everybody's listening right now thinking, oh my goodness, tell me about this book. Because I, um, it's Maria's Island. I've just finished it. And I'm kind of annoyed at you. You had me in tears. I was crying in my bedroom because it's a wonderful book. It's so great. Yeah, I don't set out to make people cry, but there is something in this story um, which I know from talking to lots of readers already, I mean, adults and children alike, that they do find it very emotional. And I think that's largely or partly to do with the fact it does have a happy ending. And isn't it weird how happy endings make us cry just as much as sad endings? So it's a story um, about a little tiny island um, where for many, many, about 50 years, people with an incurable disease called leprosy um, were sent. And this is in in real life. It's a real place just off the coast of Crete. And when I found out about this little island and went there myself as a tourist to visit a few years ago, I immediately wanted to write a story. And one of the reasons that I was kind of motivated um, to write it was actually because the disease had a cure and I knew that the the story actually had a real happy outcome a real happy ending (laughs) oh my goodness honestly I was I was with you at the end there it was uh no it's such a wonderful book to read I genuinely I really really enjoyed it and it's a really interesting way of telling the story because it starts off uh, with Rita who's visiting her grandma and then it turns into her grandma's story so it's it's a kind of nice like framing device as well Yes, I suppose the whole thing is um, a flashback. And it's something I'm always encouraging um, children to do is to sit down with their grandparents and ask them about their childhoods. Grandmothers and grandfathers are very full of stories. I mean, they have, um, you know, images and memories from their own childhoods, which they would probably be very happy to tell you, but I think they need you need to ask them. It's a very funny thing. It's so they think, oh, you might be a bit bored listening to their description of what it was like at school. But, you know, if they describe their school days and you compared it with your own, if you're sort of eight or nine years old now, there's almost no comparison. So that was how that sort of framing device came about, that there's this little girl, Rita, and she doesn't really know anything much about her grandmother. The grandmother's always, you know, she sees her every summer. She comes out to Crete from England where she lives and grandma's lovely and makes biscuits and they go on little excursions together. But she doesn't know about the huge chapter of this granny's life when the granny had lived on this island where there were people with an incurable disease and she's never mentioned it and one day she takes her and um you know they see this island for themselves and little rita is 
absolutely amazed by the story. And it's simply, you know, the story of one person's life. It is. And it's a wonderful story. It's really uplifting. It's it's quite emotional. Again, I don't want to ruin it. People are reading it. It's, you know, <laughs> twists and turns. Um, am, am I right in saying it was inspired by a grown-ups book that you've written? Yes, it was. I wrote um, a book also about this little island called Spinalonga, which is the island of the title. Gosh, about 15 years ago now, I actually went to Spinalonga for the first time 20 years ago, almost to the day. It was... It was um, summer of 20, uh, 2001, I had this strong, strong feeling about the people who'd lived there. It was just in the way that you do much more when you're a child. I kind of let my imagination um, run riot. And as I was walking around, I was thinking to myself, I have a feeling about this place that although people were sick when they went there, um, they supported each other. It felt like a place that had been full of love and of courage. Um, and that really, it really inspired me. I mean, sometimes, you know, the imagination is an extraordinarily, it's a strange thing, the imagination and a powerful thing, because there's no limits on what you can think up. So that was the, the beginning starting point, And um, it grew into the adult novel called, called The Island. And then many years later, I decided to make a children's version, which is Maria's Island. So I hope children will enjoy it. I mean, that's very important to me um, to know and to, to hear whether, whether actually my, the children I've written this for enjoy reading it too. Oh, I'm sure they will. I, I mean, I'm not a child, but I genuinely loved it. I thought it was such, <laughs> such a sweet book. And also, uh, you were right, you, you know, you made the island seem like there was a community there. And although it was a place where, you know, ill people were, it was a, it was also a nice place to, you know, to be if you had to be mm. there. They made it into, into a, a kind of, yeah, a yeah, community. A community, it, yeah. Before I let you go, Victoria, we have to do our quick fire round of questions. Oh, uh, right. Just, okay. Just to double check um, <laughs> more about you as an author. Uh, no pressure, no stress at all. It's super easy. Just say which one you prefer. So first up, books or Kindles? Books. Sure. <laughs> Everybody says it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, heroes or villains? Villains. Much more oh. interesting. Mm. Okay. More interesting to write and to read about. Good answer. Uh, do you prefer writing for children or writing for grown-ups? Oh, well, I've only done my first book for children, and I must say it was a huge pleasure doing it. I haven't written down to children, so I, haven't, I wasn't really aware that I was doing it particularly differently um, because I have a very simple style. And so I write simply for adults and just as simply for children. So I'd say both. I'm going to be greedy. I'd say I, I like writing for both. Yeah, definitely. On brand and good. I appreciate that. Um, film adaptation or TV adaptation? Mm. TV adaptation. Okay. Uh, Hogwarts or Narnia? Narnia. Writing or reading? Oh, wow. <laughs> what a question. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to be greedy. You can't do 
I can't <laughs> write without reading. It's almost impossible to imagine being a writer without also being a reader. So I'm sitting right on the fence there. All right. It's a chicken and egg situation for you, is it? Mm, mm, okay. It is really, yes, yes. I'll give you that. Uh, Greece or the UK? Greece. <laughs> You're there right now. You have to. <laughs> yeah, of course. Fair although, I mean, although I, I do now have um, sort of dual nationality, so I could oh. sit on the fence with that. I have a Greek passport. Um, oh and a goodness. British passport. So I, that actually is the one question I really should have sat right in the middle for. <laughs> yeah. No, you've, you've, you've picked, you picked it. Don't worry about it. I love it. Uh, do you write nine to five or do you write when you fancy? Nine to five. Oh, very organised. Is that quite a strict thing mm. with you? Well, sometimes it goes beyond five, for sure. Wow. But I definitely don't only write when I feel like it. You'd never write a book if you did it just when you felt like it. The best That's bits are point. often when you don't feel like it and you have oh. to kind of really draw something out of yourself. Interesting. Mm. Okay. Uh, do you prefer Paddington Bear or Winnie the Pooh? Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> you had a sigh there. You were like, oh, Winnie the Pooh. I well, can I feel the nostalgia. Thinking, oh, but you see, I was there slightly influenced by um the latest you know the paddington film yes which was gorgeous because i'd never really liked i'd never really liked paddington before (gasps) i'd never got him but the films were so charming that it sort of slightly swayed me that's why there was a pause whereas winnie the pooh can be a little bit annoying (laughs) <laughs> just a little yeah i know i entirely know what you mean yeah those, those films you know what i mean yeah yeah i get you entirely the, that's why i'm yeah and i'm thinking of you know film adaptation if, if we were talking paddington books to paddington film i would have said film adaptation actually rather than book rather than tv adaptation it's um, i think paddington anyway, set the bar yeah. didn't it set that set it really gold standard. i was so skeptical I thought why am I watching a film about Paddington Bear I don't even like Paddington Bear and then you just magicked into it really beautiful Mm. it is oh gosh those stories are brilliant and finally the last one is the most important one to be honest uh salt and vinegar or cheese and onion salt and vinegar obviously yes yes (laughs) that's that is a total why would you why would you want to eat Onion flavored. Cr- I mean, because there's always they're always very oniony. I can never taste yeah. the cheese. Exactly. It, sounds, it, it tastes like onion crisps, and then your sort of packed lunch box at school, and your mum's packed cheese and onion, and your friends the in the afternoon. They don't want to sit next to you. Whereas salt Ex- and vinegar, exactly. you've got friends. You've got friends <laughs> around you. You can play football, and no one's <laughs> going to avoid you. <laughs> You have said out loud what I've been thinking for a long time, Victoria, which is you're right. You're more likely to have friends if you pick salt and vinegar. I, this is my one woman crusade, basically, is I love salt and vinegar and people who prefer cheese and onion. It blows my mind. Um, so Me you too. passed my test, my secret hidden Excellent. test at the end there. Um, Victoria, thank you so much for chatting to us. Uh, we should say Maria's Island is just a beautiful book. Everybody needs to go and grab it. And um, hopefully we'll speak to you for your many, many other children's books, which I'm sure are coming very soon, right? 
Oh, yes, I hope so. Thank you so much for, for inviting me on the programme. Wow, you know you're important when people cut their holiday short so they can go and speak to you. Victoria Hislop, thank you very much. And next up, we're going to hear a reading from Nat Letzima. This is from her book, Opie Jones Talks to Animals. It came out very recently. There is a second one on the way. I think the second book is coming out later this year. So to get you in the mood for that, let's listen to the first one. So this is when Opie first meets the resistance. She's walking home from school. Uh, It's a very hot day and somebody is following her. Opie glanced back. She thought she saw a flash of lilac again, but maybe not. She did have a long fringe that her cycling proficiency teacher called dangerously obscuring. She was starting to feel prickles of danger. If you want to understand this feeling, take a big bag of chips down to the seaside, sit near a flock of seagulls, and, well, good luck with that and all the best with your recovery. Opie was not being followed by a massive seagull, so that was something. She was being followed by a man and a woman. The woman was black, teacher-aged, and dressed for business, head to ankle. From the ankle down, she was wearing high-heeled, glittery boots. The man was younger, white, with dramatic cheekbones and an even more dramatic dress sense. He was wearing a lilac cape. Opie could hear their footsteps getting closer. They sounded loud, two sets of high heels clattering on the cobbles. She didn't look back. She just ran with her heavy bouncing backpack threatening to unbalance her with every step. She wished things would stop happening to her today. She just wanted to go home and eat a jacket potato. Opie darted down an alleyway beside the Varling Cinema. It was cool. The tall buildings blocked out all the sunshine. Opie appreciated the temperature, but not the spooky atmosphere. She soon outpaced the strangers and could hear their clattering footsteps getting quieter. After a few minutes, she felt safer and slowed to catch her breath, careful not to pant too loudly. She was almost home. She scrabbled in her pocket for her phone again, pressed the number nine twice, then kept her thumb hovering over the nine so she could call the emergency services in a heartbeat. Opie Jones was a very smart girl. She turned the corner and came face to face with the strangers, standing there, waiting for her, smiling. Opie squeaked with fear and dropped her phone. Okay, she wasn't like genius smart. The man held up his hand. Calm. The word popped into Opie's head, and with it a feeling like a cool breeze, blowing away all her worries and all her thoughts. She stood, mouth open, eyes unfocused for a second. She was so dazed, she took a step backwards, wobbling on legs that felt borrowed, and fell over a bin. She landed hard on her bum and the warmth and noise returned to her head. Stop it! The woman slapped the man's hand down in a big sisterly way. Then she turned to Opie and smiled. Opie did not smile back. You're Opie, aren't you? The woman began. You're very special. You have a... No, I'm not, said Opie. Special. I wasn't finished. The woman looked annoyed. I have a whole thing, I say. We do a thing... The man swooshed his cape dramatically. You are so very special. I haven't got there yet. The woman was annoyed at both of them now. Don't do a silly voice. It's important. How do you know my name? Opie asked. We've been watching you, the woman twinkled. Opie didn't twinkle back. Well, that's a creepy thing to say to someone, she said. The woman was firm. We're doing it in a professional way. This is a professional operation sort of thing, the man added. Opie scrabbled on the phone on the ground for her phone. 
She was still nervous, and the adults exchanged a guilty look. Don't be scared. Is it the cape? The man said. Is it too much? Be honest. I love it, but maybe it's not for work. I could keep it for brunches. My name's Molaki. This is Zoo, the woman said, talking over Zoo, who was fussing about maybe a jumpsuit would have the same impact, but not be so extra. Opie, you have a gift. Um, how do you spell... Opie asked, struggling to keep up with all this new information. G-I-F-T, Malaki said. <sighs> Opie sighed and shook her head. Oh. Z-U, Malaki said, pointing at her colleague. And I'm M-U-L-K-I. Good for Scrabble, Opie said, if proper nouns were allowed, which I know they aren't, but some people relax the rules at Christmas or Hanukkah, for example. She was babbling to calm her nerves. It wasn't working. O P. Malaki separated Opie's names into two irritable sounds. You have a gift, but you already know that. Honestly, Opie did not already know that. She did well in exams, but that was because she paid attention in class, which was hardly worth chasing someone down an alleyway in high heels on a hot day for. <laughs> Excuse me! <laughs> you concentrate really well. That's why you were in the park just now, Malaki said. You heard the bullying. Yeah, I heard it. I had ears. No. Malaki shook her head, smiling. You heard it. And she pointed at her head. Yes, said Opie patiently, pointing at her head with my ears. Right here. Oh, God, I'm bored, sighed Zoo. Listen, Opie Jones, you're a mind reader. A special, unique, superhuman freak in a beautiful way. He held out his hand towards her. His cape flapped gently and he looked like a wizard. Now, can you stop being such a wally? We'll be here all night and you live in a rough area, no offence. I... what? spluttered Opie. I can't read minds. I'm not special. I'm boring. I like all types of music. I eat, eat ready salted crisps and I think rules are there for a reason. You've got the wrong person. Sorry. Wow, that is pretty dull, said Zoo, suddenly sounding less certain. Honey, we're not going to hurt you, Malaki said. Opie turned on her heel, darted out of the alleyway and pelted towards the safety of home. Ah, oh, lovely stuff. Big thank you to Nat for doing that for us. Now, finally, I should mention it is the Essex Book Festival at the moment. It's running all the way through until August, and there is an amazing section of kids' books and kids' events that you can check out as well. One of the authors doing something there is Sally Gardner. She wrote The Tindims of Rubbish Island, and we spoke to her quite recently. And next up, we're going to hear a reading from The Tindims of Rubbish Island. Chapter one from Turtle Tangle. Where a rather loud noise is heard on Rubbish Island, the kind of noise that doesn't sound right. Bad things happen sometimes, and that's a fact, said Pinch. Good things happen sometimes as well, said Skittle. And Brew thought for a moment and said, sometimes both things can happen at the same time without meaning to, and that is where this story starts. Rubbish Island was bobbing about in a blue, nothing-could-go-wrong sea. It was far too hot for any tindim worth his wooden spoon or recycled hat to be doing much. Skittle, Pinch and Brew were at Turtle Bay building sandcastles, while Ethel Bedina stood under her sun-stopping, hand-embroidered umbrella. It was the kind of umbrella that she felt needed a song. My umbrella is made for all weather. Come shower or shine, forever together. I think my umbrella is second to none, and I don't care tuppence if it looks homespun. With an umbrella like mine, you're never alone. 
And she sat thinking of the next line and what might rhyme with alone when she heard the loudest groan. It was the kind of groan that makes you stop and ask, what was that? Did you hear a loud groan, my still and sparkling darlings? She asked the others. Skittle said, I heard a crack. I heard a snap, piped up Pinch. And Brew, who was swimming with a turtle, came ashore and said, I felt a rumble under the water. I think, said Ethel Bedina, whatever the noise was, the one thing I know is, yes, said the others altogether, that it is not the right kind of noise for Rubbish Island to be making. They decided to find out if anyone else had heard or felt anything strange. Hitchstitch was in her garden, looking worriedly at a pile of wood. Have you heard a loud groan, my still and sparkling darling? asked Ethel Bedina. I felt a shudder, said Hitchstitch, and my shed fell down. Fab stuff. Well, thank you so much to Sally Gardner, to Natlet Seema and Victoria Hislop for joining us on today's Bookworms podcast. We will be back again very soon with loads of awesome books. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed the show, first of all, thank you so much for subscribing. If you want to get involved any more, then remember we have got a live recording of this show at the Underbelly Festival at the end of August. If you want any details, go to the Fun Kids website right now and check out all of the deets about bookworms live and hopefully we'll see you super soon bye